family, family, beautiful family. I hope that you are ready for tonight. I firmly believe we have a word just for you. Anytime the preacher studies and the message blesses him or blesses her, I am firmly convinced that this message is going to bless you. Now, I'm not an emotional guy, but when I was studying for this particular passage of Scripture that we're going to be dissecting on tonight, I was getting choked up. I was like, Lord, make me like a child again. Touch my heart, Lord. Make me pure like a child again. And I believe tonight is going to be powerful, necessary. You can get your box of Kleenex because I think you might need it. Get your Bible, your pen, your notepad. Go ahead and tag somebody and let us know it is on. It is on, and I hope you guys are ready for next week as we are about to start this brand new series, Cuffing Season. I think it is going to be oily. So I'm excited. Take your screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world and how this World War Me series has been blessing your life. We are already in part 15, part 15 of this World War Me series, and the air aircraft of this series is starting to descend and we're about to land. So, I feel like I'm a man on a mission. I have so much to share with you. So, if you would, could you go ahead and open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to read um, our foundational scripture first in the New King James Version. And then I'm going to read the exact same passage of scripture in the Message Bible. Matthew, chapter 18. We're going to launch our reading at verse 1, this is the New King James Version. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Now I'm going to read the exact same passage of scripture in the message version, the message Bible. Verse 1, it says, at about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? For an answer, Jesus called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you, once and for all, unless you return to square one. Somebody drop the comment in the room, square one. Unless you return to square one. One, and start over like children. You're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. A verse of emphasis, a clause of concern, and where we're going to spend our time orbiting around tonight takes residence and lives in verse 3. These four words become as little children. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for uh, this, this spirit-led message that I pray touched the hearts of your people. And we're praying and petitioning, oh God, that you will flood the atmosphere through the retina display, through the iPads, through the tablets. However we are watching to this message or listening via podcast, we pray that your spirit will go forth and touch the hearts of your people where we can remove off the layers of what happened. Remove off the layers of what we've been through and get back to that childlike state. In Jesus' name. As my typical request, God, anoint me to be your PA system, the soundtrack of heaven, so that you may be magnified and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room, amen. Amen. Unless you become as little children, you by no means will inherit 
the kingdom of God. Church family, do you remember what it was like to be a child? I understand that all of us have different childhood experiences. Some of our childhoods were traumatic and others, our childhood was terrific. But for the next few moments, could you do a reflection tour with me and let's revisit when we were a child? Not just the whole childhood, but the part of the childhood before that happened, before you were introduced to that. Do you remember what it was like to be a child? Do you remember what it was like before the abuse? Before you saw the abuse, do you remember what it was like to be a child? Do you remember, do you remember what it was like before you ever discovered what cool meant? Before you discovered what it was to look cool and to act cool and before you ever wanted to have cool friends, do y'all remember what it was like when matching didn't matter? <laughs> matching didn't matter. If you wanted to wear that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt with some blue pants and some red Sonic shoes, you didn't care that you weren't matching. You didn't care what your mama thought. You didn't care what your sister thought. You didn't care what your daddy thought. But as a child, there was just this freedom. If I like it, I'm wearing it. If it's cool to me, I'm wearing it. I don't care if it's my pajamas and a pink butterfly scarf around my neck that I got from a Barbie store. If I like it, I'm wearing it. Wouldn't you like to go back to that place where you didn't care about what people think, but if you liked it, you wore it. Do you remember what it was like to be a child? Do you remember what it was like before you ever worried about COVID? <laughs> when, when you were a child and you had birthday parties and they would sing happy birthday to you and you would blow out the candles on the birthday cake and your friends would eat cake and ice cream. I think that's a form of practice because due to COVID, I don't know if we're ever going to eat anything that somebody in blue on. <laughs> Do you remember what it was like to be a child? Do you remember what it was like before you ever knew what insecurity was? Before you were ever insecure about your lips or insecure that your nose was too big or that one of your eyes seemed to be bigger than the other eye. Do you remember what it was like before you ever discovered what insecurity was? Before you ever would pull on your shirt because you were insecure about how this particular t-shirt made your stomach look or how this particular dress made your stomach look. Do you remember what it was like before you ever knew what insecurity was? Before you would spend hours in the mirror and make up your face and you wanted this to shape you, to fit you right because you wanted to show off your shape and you didn't want to see your gut in this particular outfit so you would wear a girdle or you would wear something to try to hide it or you would wear a certain shirt to make you look a little more muscular and you would spend hours in the bathroom because you were so insecure about how you look but when you were a child you would get up with morning breath and say hey mommy wouldn't care do you remember what it was like to be a child. Do you remember what it was like before there was ever a such thing as good hair and bad hair? What is this natural hair and she has a perm and she has weave and she doesn't. Do you remember what it was like when light skin and dark skin didn't matter? When the race car wasn't on the scene and you didn't care if your friend was Asian. You didn't care if they were white. You didn't care if they were black. You didn't care if they were Hispanic. You didn't care if they were Ethiopian. You didn't care. All you knew was they were your friend. And during recess, y'all would swing together and y'all would jump off the swings together. I'm talking about at lunch when you would exchange your gushers for their airhead. <laughs> <laughs> and they would exchange their Starburst for your Jolly Rancher. And you didn't care about their background. You didn't care about their race. Do you remember what it was like when you were a child and you were free from racism and free from injustice? You didn't even think about it. Do you remember what it was like? And unfortunately, I have to ask you, do you remember what it was like before the molestation? Before the molestation or before you ever saw or heard your sister get molested? And you found out that your mama got molested and your grandmother got molested and your aunt got molested and your father got molested and your brother too because men get molested too. And you just now found out about it when you're 28 years old and you're 32. Do you remember what your personality was like and how happy you were before the molestation? Do you remember what it was like before your parents ever got divorced? And you start blaming yourself. Maybe if I would have made better grades and maybe if I would have did my chores better. Maybe if I wouldn't have talked back as much. Maybe if I would have listened. Maybe if I would have helped out a little more. Do you remember what it was like before you began to swim in the ocean of self-blame? 
Do you remember what it was like before you ever knew what trends were? <laughs> before you wanted that trendy outfit, that trendy jacket, that trendy shoes because your friends were trendy and you were upset about your mom because she didn't let you have this particular outfit because she said, no, this makes you fast like those girls down the street. This makes you fast like those girls on the cheerleading team. Do you remember when you didn't care about being trendy, but if you liked it, you just wore it and you were free? Do you remember what it was like? Or here it is. Do you remember what it was like when you didn't worry about bills? You didn't worry about bills. You didn't worry about interest rates. You didn't worry about mortgages. You didn't worry about college debt. You didn't worry about any financial thing. You didn't worry about any of it. Or do you remember the time when you didn't get your sleep robbed because you were overthinking? Do you remember the time? Before overthinking robbed you of your sleep and then handed you insomnia. Because when you're a child, you fall asleep anywhere. <laughs> when you're a child, you can fall asleep in a stroller. You can fall asleep in a car seat. You can be at a homecoming game and the band is playing. -da 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 -da, and you are knocked out. You can be held and your neck falling. You can fall asleep anywhere. But now you're at a place where sleep is a privilege and the ceilings keep counseling you. But I want you to go back. Do you remember when you were like a child and you fell asleep any and everywhere and nothing ever robbed you of your sleep it didn't matter the sound my son when he falls asleep I could have a tractor go through there he may just look close his eyes and go back to sleep <laughs> do you remember what it was like when you weren't plagued by overthinking and I'm going to try to give you some help I want to tell you how Jerry got free from overthinking if there's anybody watching this message and overthinking plagues your mind. I'm talking about where you conjure up mental scenarios. Y'all ever been there? You conjure up mental scenarios, but they don't like me because. Well, she don't like me because. That post was probably about me. Well, they didn't talk to me. Well, they didn't do this. Maybe you're not having a bad day or bad vibes, but you're entertaining bad thoughts. So now that bad thought gave you bad vibes, and now you're having a bad day. I'm going to tell you a secret. One of the ways that you could overcome overthinking and mental scenarios and maybe don't like me and maybe don't like this is by asking yourself this simple question, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that post was about you? Who told you that they don't like you? And if you can't give me a name, it's all in your head. Until you have further evidence, if nobody told you that, all the stuff that you're feeling is what your mind is telling you. So I'm going to put y'all on game real quick. Let me tell you how the enemy operates. The enemy is not after your car. He doesn't want to drive your car. The enemy is not after your job. He doesn't want to work there either. He's after your head. He's after your head because he knows if I get their head, then I can get their life. Because your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thought. And I'm going to tell you something that I understand now about the strategy of the enemy. He can only do three things. Present, persuade, and try to convince you to agree. God, this is so good. It freed me. All the devil could do, think about it. Your temptations were presented, you're persuaded, and you become in agreement with it. See, thinking you're dumb, thinking you're dumb, that's just a thought. It becomes problematic when you agree with it. Thinking that you're damaged goods, that's just a thought. It becomes a problem when you agree with it. Because when you agree with it, you meditate on it and you embody it. Thinking that you ugly, you your daddy's son. Hey, I can't even believe that's a song, y'all. <laughs> you ugly, you your daddy's son. That's just a thought. That's just a thought. It becomes problematic when you agree with it. If you think because you have two or three children, nobody will marry you, that's just a thought. It becomes problematic when you agree with it because the enemy knows there's power when things touch and agree. There it is. It becomes powerful when it's touched and agree. And he knows if I could touch their mind with this and they agree with it, then I can get their life. Do, do you remember what it was like before you were ever told what goes on in this house stays in this house? Y'all remember that conversation? We dealt with that in the whole Try Me series. All that did was incubate dysfunction, and it taught us to be a generation that knows how to cry in private, but then smile in public.
PhD in inhaling, GED in exhaling. And now I begin to wonder, maybe this is why our generation is so good with Instagram. Because ever since we were children, we were taught how to apply filters. We were taught how to present things that were false because mom and daddy tried to make it seem like we were at a financial place that we weren't because we wanted to appear to keep up with the Joneses. Actually, some of our parents went in debt when it was time for back to school, went in debt for the Christmas holidays because they wanted to appear to be at a place that they're not. And they constantly presented lies. No wonder we have a generation who post lies. Do you remember what it was like to be a child. By the grace of God, I'm praying that this particular message would help us to become free from the rope that we were given when we were a child. See, look at this picture of me right here. <laughs> this, this little boy right here had no worries. He wasn't worried about a bill, he wasn't worried about the mortgage. He wasn't worried about COVID. This, this, this little handsome black boy right here, he wasn't concerned, is this message going to be as good as the last message? Are people going to listen to this message like they did the last message? Are people going to subscribe to this message? Are people going to like this message? He didn't even care that it was summertime and I'm wearing a button-up shirt. <laughs> he didn't care that his edge up was crooked. He still was smiling and happy because there was just this freedom and just this innocence as a child. This, this little boy that you see right here is the original form of my personality. What if I told you that in childhood, that was the person that you were in childhood before whatever happened. That was the original form of your personality, which was going to be a navigational system to help you identify your purpose. This, this little boy right here, he had no internal wars. <laughs> he had nothing churning in his soul that was robbing him of sleep at night. He had no worries. You know why you keep fighting with your bae? You know why you and your husband keep on fighting? You and your brother keep on fighting? You and your wife keep on fighting? It's because you're trying to fight somebody who is in an internal war with themselves. And every time you have a conversation with them, you're dealing with the residue of their internal war. And it's not always them because we always like to blame other people. The reason why you're so argumentative and the reason why you're fighting everybody and every time somebody tries to correct you, we're fighting so much is because you're fighting inside your soul. And so now every single time a person has to have a conversation with you, tries to correct you, tries to deal with you, tries to give you wisdom, they are getting the residue of the internal war that you have in your soul. But, but right here, Jesus says, Unless you go back to that. This is powerful, y'all. Unless you go back to being like a child. Some of us have become so lost in the pain that we've gone through and the trauma that we've gone through. If you were to go back and look at some of your childhood videos before whatever it was that happened, you wouldn't even recognize that child. You're calling it childish, but it was your personality. What, what, if, what if I were to tell you that it was never God's original intent for us to know good and evil? See, some of us are like, nah, see, I, I was following you until you said that, Jay. You got to be woke. What are you talking about? You better preach to have a woke church. We have to be woke to the evils of this world. We have to be woke to what's going on. But this little child, he didn't care about the election. He, he wasn't worried about COVID. He, he wasn't worried about anything. He didn't let anything rob him of sleep. He had no worries. There was just a freedom he had. What if the original intent of God was for you to never know the knowledge of evil? And before somebody's like, uh, I, just, I disagree with that. I believe we're supposed to be woke. Let me show what the Bible says. I'm just trying to show you God's original intent. Look at this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Eat, for in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. And the reason a lot of our childhood has died is because we've been eating from this tree. 
Look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, to add insult to injury. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate it. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Could you imagine if we could get back to this place of nakedness? Could you imagine what our churches would be like, what our relationships would be like, what our marriages would be like if we got naked again? Here are my failures. Here, here are my inadequacies. Here's my pain. Here's my trauma. But what has happened, I want you to see this. Carl, put this image of me back on the screen. What has happened is culture has provided us with fig leaves. And so we have the leaves of culture. We have the leaves of abortion. We have the leaves of that trauma. We have the leaves of pornography. We have the leaves of being bullied. We have the leaves of injustice. We have the leaves of pain. We have the leaves of that breakup. We have the leaves of that divorce. We have the leaves of that betrayal. We have the leaves of that person lying to us. And now we have so many fig leaves that we can't even see the child anymore. Can't even see the child anymore. And now here we are standing in a forest of regrets. Here we are standing in the forest of what ifs and if this never would have happened and if I never would have done this and if he never would have done this and if my father would have and if my mother would have and if I would have. We're standing in a forest of what ifs because there have been so many fig leaves that have covered up the child. But Jesus says, unless you go back, unless you go back to being like a child, and I'm praying by the grace of God and by the empowering spirit of God, I'm praying that this particular message will remove the leaves. Remove the leaves and remove what happened in childhood and remove. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying you're not supposed to lose your child. That joy, that happiness, that fun, that freedom, that purity, that innocence, that child, that is the one that Jesus had to preach a message to his disciples by putting this child in the middle of the room and saying, unless you get back and remove the leaves of what happened, you'll never be able to inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm just a man on a mission on tonight. I feel as though I need to speak around this thought, around this subject, for part 15 of this World War Me series, Like a Child. Like a Child. The reason a lot of us are struggling to change, and the reason it feels like you can't change, is because you're interested, but you're not committed. You're interested, but you're not committed. See, when you're interested, you'll do what's convenient. But when you're committed, you'll do what it takes. And I wonder, do we have any committed people who are committed to do what it takes to remove each and every fig leaf? Are you committed to do what it takes to be free from the rope? Are you committed to do what it takes to discover the child? That personality that you have right now, ma'am, that's not the personality that you had as a child. That personality that you have right now, sir, is not the personality that you had as a child. And will you be interested or will you be committed? You're not always going to be motivated, which is why you have to have discipline. Did you hear what I just said? You're not always going to be motivated, which is why you have to have discipline, so that when your motivation is evaporated, your discipline makes you stick to the routine. It makes you stick to the therapy. It makes you stick to being faithful to your wife. It makes you stick to your workout regimen. I'm not always going to be motivated, but this is why I have to have discipline. It was stated, and I hope it was abolished, because if it wasn't, this is truly animal cruelty. cruelty. It was stated that how elephant trainers would train elephants is they would get the elephant when it's a child. They would get the elephant when it's a child and they would put a rope on it. 
they will put a rope on the elephant. Now, elephants are made to roam. They're made to be free. They're made to stomp. They're made to use their, their trunk. They're made to use their tusk. They're made for freedom. But elephant trainers knew if, if I put a rope on him or if I put a rope on her in childhood, See, what would happen is then when the rope would get on the elephant, the elephant would pull and the elephant would struggle and the elephant would want to be free and the elephant would want to break loose and the elephant would want to be, be able to roam and do what it's supposed to do. And I wonder, is there anybody that you've been pulling against the rope of that pornography addiction? You've been pulling against the rope of that masturbation. You've been pulling against the rope of that bitterness. You've been pulling and you want to be free. And the elephant trainer never has to change the rope because the elephant had a season of his life where he's fighting and he's struggling and he's struggling and he's fighting and he's fighting and he's struggling and he just gets to the place where I'm bound. I'm bound. Have you just gave in to I'm always going to be bound to porn. I'm always going to be bound to alcohol. I'm always going to be bound to the bitterness. I'm always going to be bound to what happened in my first marriage. I'm always going to be bound to do to what happened in childhood. And so this elephant evolves and becomes a full grown adult. And he's strong enough now to break the rope. But he never does it because he has been classically conditioned that he can't break free from this. Full-blown, powerful elephant, colossal animal, won't even try to break the rope because his whole life, he's always known being bound. I wonder who's watching this message on tonight that you have gotten used to the rope. Psychological warfare. That's what it is. Psychological warfare. The enemy knows I just have to get their head. There's some ropes that have been placed on us when we were eight. There's some ropes that have been placed on us when we were six. There's some ropes of insecurity that has been placed on us when we were five, when we were four, when we were 16, when we were 17. And the reason the enemy allowed these ropes to be placed on your life was because that was his down payment. That was his security deposit that I won't have to worry about them when they're grown. Oh, but the devil is a liar. I believe on tonight we're going to give you some information. We're going to give you a word that helps you discover where the knot is and the rope that helps you become free from whatever the enemy tried to put on you, that helps you become free from the depression, that helps you become free from the alcoholism, that helps you become free from the doubt because God did not make you to be bound God did not make you to be bound. And if I can get you to discover where the knot was tied when I was six and where the knot was tied from that divorce and where was the knot tied because there's power and recognition. Can I get somebody to drop that comment in the room? There's power and recognition. I stated this before, but it's time for a brief reflection. That's the beauty of a series. There is power and recognition because recognition gives you the ability to trace. See, some of us don't even recognize that we're dealing with some ropes that have been put on us from our mother. There are some ropes that have been put on us from our father. There are some ropes that have been put on us from our parents. Why? Because some parents put some ropes on your parents. And their parents put ropes on them. And now these ropes have been passed down from generation to generation because the devil is a generational assassin. He doesn't just want you bound. <laughs> you thought it was just about you. No, he wants you bound. He wants your children bound and your children's children bound. See, listen, if you were to put the last three generations of your family in a row, your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your father, your grandfather, and your great-grandfather, if you were to put the last three generations of your family in a row, what you will have is a bar graph that will expose you to where the rope is. Did y'all hear what I just said? You will have a bar graph where you can see where the rope is. There's power and recognition. Thieves wear masks. You remember this? Thieves wear masks. Why? Because if I wear a mask, it makes it harder for you to recognize who I am. Because if you can recognize it, you can trace it. See, if you were to know me and you wear a mask and you rob me, I'll probably just think it's a random robbery. A random robbery. Because the mask 
limits my ability to be able to recognize. Oh, but if you rob me and I can recognize you, then I could trace you. Hmm, this person looks familiar. I could trace them back to that individual who was walking around my car at 2 a.m. last week. This person looks familiar. I could trace them back to that person that came with my friend to the studio last weekend because there's power when you can recognize because when you can recognize it, you can trace it. I'm trying to help somebody on the night. Some of us have gotten so used to some ropes and I'm trying to get you to recognize it. If you recognize the rope of depression running through your family tree, then you can be able to identify, oh, uh -uh, this is trying to grab me too, but I'm the cycle breaker. You're not going to grab me. If you could identify and recognize the pattern of alcoholism in your family, mama drinks, daddy drinks. A lot of us really going to see this around Thanksgiving. <laughs> your grandma drink, your aunt drinks, your friends drink, everybody in your family and surrounded by your family, they drink. And I feel as though the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. This is not just alcoholism. This is the spirit of suicide. This is the spirit of suicide because when you are drinking alcohol and especially people who drown themselves in liquor, you're killing yourself. Killing yourself slowly. This is why I think people who really, really just drown in liquor, they have suicidal thoughts. Because it's not just alcoholism. It is a spirit. It is a rope that the enemy has been trying to put on you, that has been trying to put on your family, because the enemy hovers over bloodlines. Can you recognize where the rope has been tied? Because it has robbed you of your child. This is good, y'all. It has robbed you of your child. And a lot of us, we've been struggling. Struggling with mindsets and addictions and childhood trauma and secret sins and lustful cravings and emotional pain and mental bondage. And we just want to be free. Is anybody watching this message? You just want to be free. You want to be like that child again. You want to be free. And some of us, we don't even know how we got here. How did I get here? Have you ever wondered, how did I get to a place where I'm so lustful? What happened to make me get to this place where I'm so lustful? Why in the world is my mouth like this? And I just curse people out in a minute. Don't cut me off on the freeway. Don't be a disrespectful, disrespectful customer service worker. I'll cuss somebody out in a minute. How did my mouth get like this? How did my anger... Get like this. Is there anybody watching this message? The first emotion that you feel when you wake up is anger. And the last emotion you feel before you go to sleep is anger. And you're just walking around as a ticking time bomb. And you don't even know why you're so angry. How did I get here? How did I gain so much weight? How did I lose so much weight? How did I get to a place where I'm so dependent on these drugs and these substances the way I am? And I just want to be free. And I don't know how freedom comes. And I'm trying to get you to understand God wants us to go back to the child. If you can go back to what event, if you can go back to what abuse, if you can go back to what trauma, you could see what happened in your life that caused for you to be bound by something that robbed you of your childlike faith. I'm trying to unmask some spirits on the night, unmask some devils, unmask some systems. Because too many of us are living our life Christians who are miserable, how do you carry and possess the best message of all eternity, the greatest love ever known, but you're miserable? And could it be like through a course of events, something has robbed you of your child? And I'm, I'm concerned, I'm concerned that we have reduced the power of God to these cute little sugar-coated inspirational messages that you hear every Sunday or whenever your service is. And so each week we get our church hit. We get our church hit of attendance or our church hit of streaming. But if we be honest, when we're alone, y'all don't want to talk to me. When we're alone, when we're in that apartment complex, when we're in that dorm room, when we're in that big old mansion by yourself, Oh, you're struggling with some real things, and you're trying to overcome spiritual things natural ways. <laughs> and I want to be free from it. And I believe hell knows that childlike faith can move mountains. Childlike faith can activate the miraculous. See, he knows childlike faith can touch Jesus' heart so much so to where Jesus had to deliver a sermon, and his prop was a child. Thank <laughs> you. 
said, how do we become great, Lord? Hey, come here, girl. Come here real quick. Stand right here. If you want to become great, you have to be like this little girl who could run through a dandelion field laughing and jumping, not because she got a raise, not because she got a blue check mark on Instagram or Facebook, but just because she has a state of joy. Unless you become like this little girl, you won't even enter the kingdom of God. Come here, son. I want you to stand right here. Unless you become like this little boy who can laugh in the rain and jump in muddy puddles and not worry about his clothes, not worry about catching COVID, not worry about anything. I'm not saying don't use wisdom. But I'm saying that there's a freedom that Jesus is saying until you can get back to this place. And as I begin to study this message, I begin to look at my own children. My son and my daughter haven't wondered not one time about COVID. During this whole global pandemic, they haven't worried about what we're going to eat. They haven't worried about what we're gonna, where we're going to sleep. They haven't worried about what we're going to wear. They have never came and said, Dad, are we going to have enough money to pay the light bill? They have never came in the room and said, Dad, are we going to get kicked out? Dad, what are we going to do? And even if somebody did get kicked out, your children still wouldn't worry because they know that Daddy got it covered. Daddy has it covered. Mommy has it covered. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. Daddy's always going to provide. Mommy's always going to provide. And I believe Jesus is saying, I want you to get back to the place where you can trust me and be happy. I'm talking about there could be a child. You broke. You are broke, but your child is still running around the house playing with a stick and a quarter, finding joy in whatever he has, enjoy with whatever she has. And he says, unless you can get back to that place, unless you can get that joy back, unless you can get that passion back, unless you can get that freedom back, I understand that it's difficult. That's why you have to be born again. And I can strip off the layer of that rope, and I can strip off the layer of that rope, and I can strip off the layer of what you've been through because I want you to be like a child. Jesus is saying, I want you to have the joy and the trust of a child. The joy and the trust of a child. Could you put this image back up of me, Carl? I want you to have the joy and the trust of a child. When I was a little boy, I didn't care at all about anything. I, I didn't care about what was going on in the earth. I didn't care about election. I just knew Mom and dad had it covered. And I wonder, have you forgot? God heard your prayers. He got you covered. I want to be married. I covered that. I got that covered. God, what am I going to do? I got laid off. I got that covered. God, where are we going to live? I got that covered too. God, how are we going to get through this? I got that covered. Look to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, but yet, your heavenly father provides for them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And just like I placed the rainbow in the sky, not as a community's logo, not as a community's logo, but as a covenant sign that I will never flood the earth again, I place birds in the sky. So every single time worry and anxiety tries to grab your heart, find a bird. Because what I want you to get back to is that. I want you to get back to that. I should have everybody watching this message. When you're done, find a picture of you when you were a child and tag us. Find a picture of you when you were a child. And if you ever have a chance to look back at some childhood videos before ever it was happened, you'll see a personality. You'll see a freedom. You'll see a purity. You'll see an innocence. You'll see a trust that has not been polluted by our world. We're in this world, but not of this world. And so, so I believe that hell tries to give us a rope and tries to take our child. And I'm going to give you a few points on how I believe the enemy tries to do this. And the reason we can't go back to this childlike state is because a lot of us, we have trust issues. <laughs> you know what's crazy? It's not as though we have trust issues with God. It's because I have trust issues due to misplaced people. Anybody who says I don't trust people, trusted people. Anybody who says I don't trust people, yeah, you trusted a people before. You trusted a person before, and they violated your trust. And some way and somehow, that having trust issues self has bled over into our relationship with God. <laughs> so since I have trust issues with people, I got trust issues with everything. Police, men, 
teachers, lawyers, anybody. God, I have trust issues with everybody because of somebody I trusted that violated it. Jesus showed us this whole paradigm. You got to place people right. Some of us keep hurting ourselves because we don't have discernment. Jesus already showed us that model. He spoke to thousands, sent out 72, selected 12, but was vulnerable with three. Can you identify your three? Or are you sharing information with the thousands that was only supposed to be shared with the 12? See, ever so often, I believe you're going to face a situation. You're going to face an option when you don't know what to do. And it's a scenario where you must have needed discernment. And needed discernment is God's way of calling us to intercession. It's so good, y'all. You're going to be faced with the promotion. You're going to be faced with some man, some woman that you're not going to know if this is God, if this is the enemy, or if this is you. And God's like, uh, you ain't going to get this one on your own. Mm -mm. You have to pray. Yep. You're going to have to fast. Yes, ma'am. You're going to have to seek my face. Yeah, bro. We're going to have to go like seven days of just fasting because discernment, needed discernment is God's way of calling us into intercession. We got to talk. You got to bury yourself to figure out the answer to this one. And a lot of, a lot of us, if we be real, you don't have trust issues. You have patient, patient issues because the longer you wait, the less that you think it's going to happen. It's not a trust issue. It's a patient issue. So how does hell give us a rope? And take our child. Number one, hell introduces the rope. The enemy tries to be like that elephant trainer. He wants to introduce the rope, hopefully when you're a child. If I could introduce the rope of sex in the form of molestation when you're seven. If, if I could introduce the rope of addiction when you're 12 and middle school. If, if, if I could introduce the rope of insecurity, when all those girls laughed at you because you didn't have the name brand clothes. If I could introduce the rope to you, now your personality will start to alter. Your personality will start to alter, and you're no longer in that place where you could, if you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt and those blue pants and those red shoes, you wear them and you're free from what people think. You're no longer in that place. Now you put on clothes because you want likes. Now what you wear is more about what people think. Someone about what people say. He tries to introduce the rope when you're young. And number two, after he introduces the rope, you're going to have a struggle with the rope. That there's going to be this time in your life when you're like, I don't want to be like this. I, I, I don't really like this. This is really not me. It's like the first time that boy was trying to convince you to have sex and you didn't want to do it. And let's whip it because girls do it too. That first time that girl was trying to tempt you into having sex with her. This, this struggle within because you got a rope laid on you because all your friends are doing it. Everybody in your house is doing it. You had a father that asked you. You haven't got you none yet. And so now, due to everybody putting this, this pressure on you, you're struggling because you really don't want to do what they're telling you to do. There's something about you that's saying, I really don't like this. Oh, but you're losing your child because you're starting to care what people think. See, I've just arrived at this place. Is there anybody who's like, you know what, I'd rather the struggle than to embrace rope competence. I'd I rather, I rather struggle because there's value in your struggle. There, there, there's a strength. See, a lot of us you don't even recognize when you're struggling with stuff, you're working out. You're getting stronger. That elephant, if he would have kept on struggling and kept on pulling and kept on fighting, one day he would have broke it. A lot of us, you could break free from some things, but you stop fighting. You stop pulling. You stop trying to see God. You stop reaching out for accountability. You just got like this elephant and said, this just must be the way it's supposed to be. There's value in your struggle. The greatest places where I ever have really ran into encounters with the Lord was in a season of a struggle. A struggle in my soul, it almost reminds me of Jacob. I'm wrestling with this man, not recognizing that I'm wrestling with God. And then when I'm wrestling with God, he introduced me to who I'm really called to be. You're struggling because this is the transition of Jacob to Israel. A lot of us are confusing bad weather as a bad season. Don't confuse the two. Sometimes the weather gets more violent because the seasons are changing. And the reason you're struggling so much is because God is causing for you to change. The 
reason the eaglet struggles and tries to break through the shell is because they're about to feel the breeze of heights and about to feel what it feels like to have wings. The reason the caterpillar that is in the cocoon is struggling and trying to break free is because you're about to be a butterfly. Maybe the struggle is a part of the cocoon process. Because... You're going to be free from this. But then you know what the, what the devil does after that? He gives you rope friends. Rope friends. You know what that is, don't you? Every single one of your friends has a rope. And so now since all of your friends have a rope and you look and see you have a rope, you start to think this is the way it's supposed to be. All trends and, and, and coolness and what the society says is cool, all that is is handing you a rope. <laughs> That's all it is, is handing you a rope. And really, if we be honest, maybe you're so mad because you're tired of the rope. Maybe the reason your friends have anger issues is because they are tired of the rope too. I want to show you this. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 through 25, it says, Make no friends with an angry man. And with a furious man, do not go, lest you learn his ways and set, there it is, a snare for your soul. So the enemy is like, okay, if I can introduce you to the rope, if I can get you to struggle with the rope, and then if I can give you rope friends, last point, you'll normalize the rope. This is just normal. Everybody in my family get divorced. Everybody in my family get high. I get high. I get high, I get high. Everybody in my family gets high. Everybody in my family drinks something. Everybody in my family commits adultery. This is just our normal. You have normalized the rope. Hell seeks to give you the rope and to take your child. Heaven wants to take the rope and introduce you to being a child of God. So look, hell wants to introduce the rope. Have you have a struggle with the rope, give you rope friends, and normalize the rope. Let's look what heaven does. Heaven, number one, gives you a new trainer. This is so good. You got to get a new trainer because that first trainer, the way that I train you is by putting a rope on you. And so that as you grow up, I never have to be worried about what you're going to become. But that new trainer, Jesus, he broke every cord. He broke every chain. He broke every rope. He could break every addiction. He could break all doubt. He could break all insecurity. You have to get a new trainer. That trainer that you've been having trained you last few years of your life, it hasn't been working for you. Oh, but if you could be trained by the Holy Spirit. I feel myself getting happy. If you could be trained by the Holy Ghost, if you could let the Word train you, if you could let fasting train you, if you could let prayer train you, if you could let sermon listening train you, then you'll be able to break the rope. Let me be your trainer because I didn't create for you to be bound. I'm going to get you back to that child. I have to get a new trainer because after you get the trainer, then number two, you know what the trainer does? He exposes the rope. He's not going to use the rope to keep you bound. He's going to say, hey, um, we need to address the fact that you're still dealing with what happened in that last marriage because this affected your personality. Start to pray for them. I ain't praying for them. That wasn't the Holy Ghost. That was a devil. I ain't praying for them. No, no, no. I, I, I need you to pray for your enemies and, and pray for those that despitefully hurt you and used you because it's going to help your heart. Pray for them. Pray for them. I need to train you differently. And you don't even recognize as you're praying for the people who hurt you, as you're praying for the people who betrayed you, I'm healing myself from the rope. Some of us, for Thanksgiving, after listening to this message, you're going to see a whole lot of ropes at that Thanksgiving table. Just watch the way your aunt talked to her husband. Get it yourself. I just sat down. Like, oh, my God. I just never noticed she talked like that. Notice how your uncles always come in late and they drink it from that little bottle that has that, like, that bag. There's something in this, this bag that they keep drinking. And every time they drink from they get rude. Just notice the pattern. Just sit at the table and just watch. Some of us are like, listen, I ain't even going to the table, Jay. I learned. <laughs> I'm not even going there. I'm not even going. I'll text. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's your family. That's your family. Get a new trainer exposure, and then renew. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What if the beautiful process about accepting Christ is he becomes your new trainer, he gives you the Holy Spirit to help become your wonderful counselor and train you as well, 
And the whole process for the next few years is to take off all the fig leaves that you put on you to try to cover up your nakedness. And I want you to stand naked before me. I want to get you back to childlike faith. Renew. And last point, repeat. I got to get my trainer every single day. There are new mercies every single day. God, I need you to train me today. I need you to train me tomorrow. I need you to train me the next day and train me after that. And God, as you're training me, keep exposing, revealing, and removing any and every rope that the enemy has placed on me that keeps me bound. Because I want to be renewed and I have to repeat. And then I can inform other people, hey, I had that rope too. I'm not judging you. I had that rope too. And this is how I got free from that rope. And this is how I was renewed from that rope. Repeat. Disciples make disciples and the cycle cycles. I just want to come on, on tonight to give you a message. Do you remember what it was like when you were a child, before it happened, before ever, whatever your it was, can you identify your childlike state? Because that was the original form of who you were and who you are. And God is saying, unless you trust me like a child, unless you have joy in me like a child and know that daddy has it covered, you'll never inherit the kingdom of God. So Father, we pray, help us to accept you as our new trainer. Cut every rope that the enemy has tried to put on me since I was five, six, 16, 26, whatever rope it was to keep me bound and help me have a new vision that I've grown so strong and I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me that we can break every chain and who the son has set free is free indeed there's a difference in a slave who has escaped and a slave who is free the slave who has escaped keeps looking on their back because they're fearful of going back and being taken back there but the, the slave that has been set free no longer is looking over their shoulder help us to be free when we're no longer looking over our shoulder and wondering will the porn grab us again will the alcoholism grab us again will the doubt grab us again but help us be free introduce us to our childlikeness so we can have childlike faith and whatever we're facing help us to remember that daddy has it covered in Jesus name amen